I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is the success with music podcast Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Walt, and this is the Success with Music podcast. I will be your music coach. I am glad that you tuned into this podcast. Uh, This podcast is for musicians, singers, writers, producers, you name it. If you're involved with music, uh, if you, you are a hobbyist or a professional, my hope is that you will gain a lot out of us uh, being together. And um, each time that we are together, I try to provide some information that will be useful. But at the same time, I like to have a little fun here or there just to to make this um, you know a bit more entertaining as you're on your way to work or school or you know milling around the house, whatever you're doing. But nonetheless, um, my hope is that uh, yeah, you get a lot out of what we're going to do together. Quick overview of who I am. Um, my name is Walt. And I have been I've been a musician, I feel like all my life, you know, I play keyboard, I play some other instruments, I write, I produce, I perform, I've uh, written songs, I've, um, you know, licensed music, I've owned a business, owned a studio, ran an indie label, you name it, I've probably uh, I've touched it. So my hope is that I'll provide some of my uh, background and experiences for you that you can also learn and get better at your craft. The biggest thing that we want to do together is provide you with tips, insight, information that will help you to be more successful as a musician. Now, I can't define success for you. And if you think about it, you can't define it for anyone. For some people, success is making more money, which is typical in terms of how people define it. But success is... Uh, maybe being better at your craft or having more people listen to your music or being more proficient at playing or performing or uh, being able to teach it at a, at a higher level. There's a, There are a lot of definitions of success. My hope is that we can tackle the entire picture by going after many different facets of the the music world, the marketing side of it, performance side of it, the industry side of it. Uh, even some psychology that goes behind, you know, being a musician. I mean, you name it, I want to cover it. So hang in here with us on this podcast. And I, of course, would encourage you to subscribe right now. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast because there will be a lot of great information. And uh, my hope is that you'll look forward to hearing, hearing from me every week. I'm excited to get into our topic for today. I believe that you will get a lot of information in a short amount of time. And, uh, you know, I, I really uh, enjoy 
the fact um, and appreciate the fact that you are here and you're listening today. As we are together, you, you will soon learn that I like to have a bit of fun as we learn things. So today I want to start off with a little fun segment called, dude, how old did you think they were? All right. Now, this segment is just a a little trivia game here. So I'm going to give you some information about an artist and you simply need to guess their age. So in this month, the month of May, there are three artists I want to uh, give you some information on. And all you need to do is tell me in this month when their birthday shows up, how old they will be. Pretty simple stuff. Interesting piece of information before we get into our segment here, which is called, dude, how old did you think they were? Did you know that the happy birthday song, which will be, of course, appropriate for the segment, that that song is copyrighted? What I mean by that is it's protected. I cannot use that song without having it licensed. That song is protected. If you want to sing that song at a party, at a theater, wherever, you have to pay royalties for it. Interesting fact. The next time you're out at your favorite restaurant, and it's the type of restaurant where, let's say, you know, someone has a birthday and then the servers come out with a little piece of cake, pay attention to that happy birthday song. I'm using my air quotes here. That song is not the song that we all know and love. It's some weird crazy rendition like happy 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 birthday why in the world would they sing some weird version of it versus the one that we all know and love it's it's pretty simple the one that we all know and love is protected and it has to be licensed and guess what the restaurant they ain't about to pay that money for those licensing fees so that is the rationale as to why you have these versions of happy birthday when you uh, go out to restaurants. Okay, that's just a sidebar. Let's get to our main uh, deal today. So this segment is pretty simple. I am going to give you information about artists, musical artists who are, um, they're having a birthday this month. So this month when their birthday rolls around, you need to simply let me know what is their age or how, what age will they be um, turning this month? Okay. Simple. Oh, one more thing. I'm going to give you some time to think about your answer. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a moment. But when your time is up, you will hear this buzzer. Boop. And then your time will be up. Yes, you heard right. Boop. That's the buzzer. OK, don't judge the uh, the high tech uh, sound effects of the show. Just go with it. All right. Here we go. Steveland Hardaway Morris. Steveland. Hardaway Morris. The funny thing is, most of you, you may not know who I'm talking about at all. And I was actually shocked when I saw this for the first time today. Steveland, like Cleveland, that's actually Stevie Wonder. I had no idea uh, that his name, <laughs> his name is Steveland. Nonetheless, Stevie Wonder, prolific musician. I mean, phenomenal keyboardist this month. Stevie turns what age? I'll give you a moment to think about your answer. I'll give you a moment. Boop. Time's up. Stevie this month turns 
67. 67. Okay, I have a confession to make though. Um for some reason, I thought Stevie was a lot older than 67. I don't know why. I I'm ho- I hope I'm not the only one. I don't know why I thought Stevie was like 80. I should know better. I know you don't have to lecture me, but anyhow, Stevie, this month is 67. Okay, let's move on to the next artist. Here we go. This pop star, this R&B singer, is also known for his great dance moves and, uh, let's just say, a little controversy. They call him Breezy. He's also known to most folks as Chris Brown. Okay, this month, Chris Brown turns what age? I will give you a moment. I'll give you a moment. Boop, time's up. This month, Chris Brown turns 28. All right. Did you get that one right? Do you care? Okay. All right, here we go. Next, (laughs) next, next um, musical artist. This musical artist, her name is... Melanie Janine Brown. Melanie Janine Brown. I I don't know why I'm reading this like uh, some commander in chief we know. I don't know. It's just something about it. It's just fantastic. It's wonderful. It's going to be huge. It's going to be bigly. Okay. Anyhow. So let's get back to it. Melanie Janine Brown is a judge of talent. You may know this Spice Girl as her other name, Scary Spice. She hails from the UK. Most of us may know her as Mel B. Melanie Janine Brown. Mel B. This month she will turn what age? Anyone? Anyone? 41. All right. How did you do on those questions? Does it matter? You know what? I shouldn't say that because if you, if you got three out of three, you're, you're probably feeling like a boss right now. And I don't want to take that from you. So no, no, you are awesome. That's right. Anyhow, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, shift gears here and get into some more, um, some, uh, some information that will be helpful for you as a musician. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get into today's topic. I want to talk about uh, an area of music that's very, very near and dear to my heart, and that is the jingle business. But I want to talk about one specific side of it today. And um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is uh, I feel like this may be timely for some of you. I, I had a guy reach out to me through one of my social media platforms just a few days ago, and his question to me was don't you feel that the jingle business is on its way out that it's old school and it's not really relevant anymore and this this idea i've heard this from other people before in fact i was talking to a lady uh an an, an exec from an ad agency out west i forget if it was san francisco 
or LA. But the point being is that she was a pretty high power person. She asked me the same question. And this is about 10 years ago. Hey, you know what? Well, she didn't ask the question. She actually stated it. Hey, (laughs) the jingle business is old school, is dead. It's done. It's over. The funny thing, though, is it's 10 years later and the business is still active. It's still alive. It's still vibrant. But some musicians out there have the idea that this particular area of the, the, the industry has faded and it's going away. The only reason why I'm bringing this up and the only reason why I believe that it should be a, 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 a topic for us today is I often point musicians to this particular industry to supplement income, to earn a living, to buy equipment, to help out with, with, with um, expenses for touring, you name it, you know, the money is there. But if you get the idea that this is an industry that uh, you cannot really make any money or do well in, you're never going to really explore it or see it as something as a viable means for you as a musician. So I wanted to kind of tackle this subject head on. And also to the uh, the gentleman that wrote me the other day, I wanted to uh, provide a bit more detail than I did in the, uh, the short response that I uh, provided online. So let's talk about it. The jingle business has been around since, I don't know, like the early 1900s. I think uh, Wheaties, they were the first company to use music to promote um, promote their product. And, and let's quickly define our terms here. A jingle, as I would define, define it, is a vocal-centric piece of music that is designed to promote a product service, brand, institution, or idea. I can't repeat that. So hopefully <laughs> you can just go backwards on your on your uh on the podcast and get that again. I'm not sure if I can I can repeat that in, in, in that type of order again. But the point is that's what a jingle is. It, it's it's music that's designed to promote something. Now I want you to think about where we are today in our media landscape and I'm gonna prove to you why jingles are absolutely relevant. I would even argue that they're more relevant than they've ever been. Let me prove my point. If you get up in the morning and do anything, you are automatically exposed to a boatload of advertising, right? So right now you're probably listening to this podcast on your smart device, right? How many ads did you see today? Ads from emails, you get push notifications from your favorite shopping place or whatever. Um, You turn on the television, you know, there are ads there. If you're watching, let's say, you know, Netflix or if you're watching Hulu, whatever, the ads are everywhere. You go into the grocery store today, you're going to see ads on the walls, ads on the shelves, ads on Uh, The floors even, you know, these days. So the point being is that in our world, we are what they call saturated with a lot of marketing messages. So saturation basically means that there are a lot of uh, ads out there and we're exposed to so many of them. Advertisers inherently have to shout louder than the next guy in order to be heard. Think about what I'm saying. Every advertiser out there they're saying me 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 look at my ad buy my product go to this website put this in your shopping cart 
everyone's in the game, right? So how do you as an individual business, let's say I run uh, a retail outlet or a coffee shop or whatever, how in the world am I going to stand out in this world that is absolutely saturated and filled with so many messages, right? How can you compete with that? Now think about another thing. Imagine that you're a smaller business and you don't have millions of dollars to burn through in order to get your message out. Think about, um, you know, like Super Bowl, you know, those ads that show up on Super Bowl Sunday for those of you or who in the, the U.S. That's millions of dollars, right? Just for 30 seconds. Why do they spend that amount of money? Well, number one, we're dealing with two things here. One, they are looking for what they call reach. How many people are you able to touch with that one ad? And then number two, they're looking to cut through the clutter. And clutter is another term that's uh, used a lot in this industry, meaning those ads that we talked about, that saturation. So the point being is that, and I'm kind of walking this back to the whole jingle world here. If you were to ask me, why in the world as a musician should I care about jingles? Here's the simple answer. A jingle has the ability to cut through that clutter. It has the ability to slice through all of this media saturation that you have out here. In short, it allows you to grab the attention of your audience. Think about what I just said for a second there. If you as a music composer, a singer, writer, whatever, if you were to go to a business and say, listen, business, I am able to give you a tool, a low tech, simple, tried and tested tool that will allow for you to cut through a lot of this noise out here. Would you be interested? Of course they would be. And that is the rationale for jingles being relevant. And that's a rationale for making a lot of money in this industry. The point is, if you don't know what the tool does, meaning jingles being the tool, you really can't leverage it to your advantage. You as a musician have incredible power because this tool, as I mentioned before, is able to provide the attention that marketers need. So in my estimation, in this modern age of apps and the you know, the internet uh, landscape and digital everything and fragmentation uh, in uh, the media world. And fragmentation is just, uh, you know, you have so many different avenues for media consumption. You know, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, Hulu, Netflix, um, you know, in your car, you know, maybe you listen to Pandora for music. Maybe you listen to iHeartRadio for music. Maybe you listen to Spotify. The point being is that as consumers, we have so many different avenues uh, to receive our our media, the shows or, or music. There's fragmentation. There, there's so many bits and pieces and parts out there that it's very hard for one advertiser to cover all of those bases. So when you do advertise as a business, you want to make sure that your money is well spent. You want to make sure that when your ad does show up on, let's say, Pandora or it shows up, let's say, in front of a you know a video on YouTube that you command attention because guess what? If you don't get attention, 
the very next video, the very next thing on your phone or whatever, it's going to grab your attention and steal it away from this particular business or, you know, that message or whatever, that, that product. So the point being is that in this marketing environment, meaning an environment to where there's a lot of voices out there, you absolutely have to have a tool that will cut through. So let's go back to the 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 the, the premise of this guy's question. Hey, are jingles antiquated and on their way out? You'd have to be out of your mind to think that is the case. And again, there's a bias from my standpoint, but this bias is backed up by facts. I'm going to go even deeper. Hang with me here. Please don't let your eyes glaze over. I won't do all the the, the footnoting for what I'm going to tell you here. But there is a lot of research out there that supports the fact that music has a direct impact on buying behavior, purchase decisions. I'm going to give you a very, very simple anecdotal um, example, but I, I, I believe this bears out. Take this little test with me. All right. So today, when you go to your grocery store, you go to your mall, you go to your uh, retail outlet. I want you to think about this next time you walk into the doors of these major uh, stores. What are you hearing in the background? I'm not sure if you've ever paid attention to this. There is always, always, let me say it one more time. Always <laughs> music playing in the background. That's not a coinky dink. That is not a mistake. These companies pay um, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars to license and pump this music in to these stores. Uh, my wife actually, she actually worked for one of these major retailers a while back, and she was actually working in the finance department, and she paid some of the invoices for some of these uh, major retailers, which shall remain nameless, but per quarter, hundreds of thousands of dollars for background music in the store. Here's the point. The rationale behind this is music has the inherent ability to guide how you feel. It shapes your emotions or it will point your emotions into a certain direction. So how does that relate to buying stuff from a store? How does that relate to going into a grocery store? Here's the point. Let's make it super simple. If you walk into a grocery store and you're feeling good, you're going to be buying more stuff. The retailers know that. If you go into, I don't know, um, a store that sells clothes and they're playing the ultra cool music or whatever, and you're feel, you're, you feel like you're in a club or whatever, what, what is your response to to buying something? You, you want to kind of buy something that kind of fits what you're feeling at that moment, which is ultra cool, right? Think about it. Again, just do your own research. Imagine right now you're going to go out and buy a pair of gym shoes, sneakers, tennis shoes, however you say it. When you walk into that sports store, typically what's playing, you're going to have hip hop, uh, you may have some EDM stuff. You may have some, you know, up-tempo music because that's the mindset they want you to be in. When you're looking at those shoes, you're looking at the posters or whatever, you're imagining yourself all chiseled up in the summer wearing that sports gear, right? Of course you do. Don't lie. You do, right? They're trying to put you in a certain mind frame or mindset 
because your emotions will dictate how you feel, hence how you purchase. Now, let's kind of reverse engineer this and then bring it down to an individual commercial, an ad that you see on Facebook, an ad uh, that you see uh, on YouTube, um, an ad that you hear on Spotify, Pandora, or on iTunes. In that little microcosm that is that particular ad that lasts for, let's say, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, or whatever, in that small amount of time, music is being leveraged to guide how you feel because if they can get you to feel a certain way, you most likely will behave in a certain way. Think about what I'm just saying. This is a very, this is a very a key principle in the world of marketing and specifically with jingles. If you feel a certain way, you will behave in a certain way. That is why jingles are incredibly powerful. And if you as a musician, you're skilled at creating certain melodies, you're, uh, you're skilled at creating certain genres of music, you literally have the power to move people in a buying direction. Now, the jingle world is a bit more unique than just nebulous background music because jingles also use uh, words to guide certain uh, memory cues. Meaning that if I, in that jingle, put the name of a product into that piece of music, not only do I get you to feel a certain way, I also cause you to remember, as we talked about earlier about the definition of a jingle, that name, that message, that product, that institution. You can sometimes in a jingle put the name of a website, an address. So the point being is that Music can also be used as a memory cue tool, mnemonics. Don't ask me to spell it. Just look it up. Just Google it. Um, but it's something that brings about something. It, it, uh, well, let me back up. Let me see if I can state this better. It's a tool for recollection. Think about, have you guys ever heard the um, ABC song? A, B, C, D. Think about this. For a kid, you are reciting 26 pieces of information sequentially. That's pretty awesome for a kid that's, you know, two, three years old, right? It's being done by, in effect, a jingle. That song is meant to elicit information. Think about every kid's show that you have, whether you have kids or you, know, you yourself, when you were growing up, you, I don't know, maybe watched something like a Sesame Street or whatever. Every single kid show, every single kid show without fail will use the power of music. Why is that? Because you are causing people to feel a certain way, feel entertained about learning. But the point is, there's a feeling aspect of it, but there's also the learning aspect of it. They're putting information in there. They're talking about, yeah, using the potty, doing your homework, brushing your teeth, whatever the case may be, they are trying to accomplish multiple things at the same time. And it's all being done on the back of music. So having said all of that, what am I telling you? The jingle business is not dead. So you as a musician, if I were you, <laughs> I would uh, not allow that thought to slip into your mind because it's absolutely false. In fact, if you're smart, you can leverage this to make a ton of 
money. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our tip of the day. And this tip of the day is sponsored by Jingle Money. Jingle Money is a book that is about the jingle business. Kawinky dink, right? We just talked about jingles. This book is a comprehensive guide that will give you a ton of information about how to make money in the jingle business, contracts, how to write jingles, finding clients, anything you can imagine about uh, this industry. It's in this book, but it's a very easy to read guide. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle. I highly encourage you to uh, grab it, pick it up because it will most certainly help you to create an additional stream of income. And by the way, it's written by a guy that's really awesome. It's me. So please check it out. Seriously, it's a great book. It's been getting great reviews. And uh, we actually have some uh, big news coming towards the end of the year about this book in particular. So get in on it now. All right, for today's tip. So many of you out there, you perform, whether it be singing, um, playing in a band, you know, playing live, that type of thing. I also do the same thing. Now, when performing, specifically with slower songs, slower tracks, I feel that it's really tough to keep up with timing in the in the tempo if the, the song is slower. Uh, now, for me and my band, we use uh, what we call a click track, a metronome that um, is in our in-ear monitoring system. Um, what I found is it's a lot easier to stay on beat or keep up with the tempo if you double the actual actual beats per minute for your metronome system. So let me give you an example. Let's say you are playing um, along with a song and that song happens to be, I don't know, a slower tempo. Let's say uh, 70, 70 beats per minute. As a drummer, for instance, I think this is a good example. If you have like a drum roll in there, it may be kind of tough if you're listening to a metronome that's set at 70 beats per minute because the 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 pulses are spaced out so much to where sometimes you would want to kind of rush to get to that next uh, pulse or that quarter note in that in this instance. Um, but if you were to double the metronome speed up to 140, that will allow for uh, twice the number of pulses, therefore helping you to keep track of where you are in a slower piece of music. So again, I believe this is a very, very good uh, tip, especially if you have music that requires precision on, uh, in, on the rhythm side of things, again, drum rolls, or maybe you're doing strumming that requires maybe some 16th note strumming, or maybe it's syncopated at that slow tempo. Try doubling your metronome speed in order to get that done. Even if you're composing a song, let's say you open up your digital audio workstation, you're working on a slower song, instead of trying to play along with that metronome at that uh, slower tempo, double double that um, that tempo speed in order to accommodate those uh, those rhythm patterns so that you can be a, a lot more precise in your playing or performance. Well, there's the music and it's time for us to be out of here for today, but for sure, 
Subscribe to the podcast so we can uh, meet up again. We'll talk about some new stuff, some new content. So if you have a question, if there's a topic that you want me to cover, go ahead and send an email to ask at successwithmusic.com. Again, that's ask at successwithmusic.com. And also, guys, if you enjoyed our time today, do me a massive, huge, huge, huge favor and go ahead and give us a uh, super rating on iTunes. That will help us to continue to deliver content that will uh, hopefully be entertaining and helpful for you as a musician. Go ahead and leave that review now. You're going to forget if you don't do it now. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. This is Walt, and this has been Success with Music. Music.